The following audio session was recorded live at the 2017 Region 2 Convention in Costa Mesa, California. Please visit oar2.org for information about the 2018 convention in Sacramento and to get links for more convention recordings. Thank you for listening. Okay. Um, and now Stephanie from our program committee will introduce our speakers. Hi, everybody. I have a script, so I'm going to read. Thank you, Cheryl. I'm Stephanie. I had to do that to Zita. I'm like, what? So um, I'm Stephanie. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, hi. And I get the privilege and the honor to introduce our first speaker, who um, I have known for many years and who has uh, been a big part of my recovery. She's one of the many sponsors. I think there's many of you in this room. No, I'm just kidding. I was going to have everyone who had never sponsored me stand up, (laughs) but that would be way too embarrassing. So, um, but I have the honor of introducing our first speaker, um, who has 10 years of abstinence. And um, with that, I will have um, Jessica come up and tell, share her experience, Rape and Hope. So thanks, Jessica. Hi, I'm Jessica, compulsive overeater. So good to see you here. Thanks to the committee for asking me to speak. Um, I just celebrated 10 years in April. And I'm currently maintaining a 65-pound weight loss for about the last nine years. And that sounds really great, but even though I lost a lot of my weight, not all of it, but a lot of it in the first year, I was still just as crazy as a loon. And um, so... To me, abstinence is a measure of time that I haven't eaten sugar and done a lot of other food behaviors, but recovery to me is different than that because I was abstinent but not necessarily recovered in this program, um, largely because I had a very big self-will and... um, a very uh, strong, I used to say, I'm not stubborn, I'm strong-willed. That was my line, and um, it was really true. Um, I started as a compulsive reader very young, not, not as a compulsive reader, but a sugar addict, very young. I only wanted sugar. That's the only thing I was really interested in eating. And um, my poor mother, you know, she would try to get me to eat the other food on the plate so that I would only do it if I could get the dessert. But um, then I was a really little kid doing this, and I would spit it in my napkin, or I'd go to the bathroom and spit it in the toilet, or hide the the, the um, food underneath the chicken bones so that she wouldn't see it, so that I could get the dessert. And I remember that as the way that I lived when I was a kid. My father used to have to put chocolate on the aspirin to get me to take the aspirin. So... I started out very young as a sugar addict, and I really wasn't interested in a lot of other food, but when I turned 10, suddenly food became attractive to me, and I started eating actual food and the sugar, 
And then that's when I really started putting on weight. Prior to that, I was pretty, I was pretty um, normal-sized body. Crazy, but normal-sized body. And um, I grew up in a family of compulsive overeaters. My father was a compulsive overeater and a rageaholic and probably an alcoholic. And my um, brother is a compulsive overeater. And food was never in a shortage in, in our house. And there was always dessert. There was always the four basic food groups, candy, cake, ice cream, and cookies. <laughs> and I loved all those, but my mother was strict, and I had to learn how to steal, which I did. And I learned how to like take a sliver off the edge so that she wouldn't notice that it was gone, and then another slither. And then a... after doing a couple of slivers, you know, if you do enough, you can tell that the cake isn't as big as it was before. But I was a kid. I didn't know the difference. So... Um, I really started the dieting part of my program, my career as a compulsive overeater uh, when I was 11, because I was in dancing school, and there's a lot of pressure because you're in front of a mirror in a leotard, <laughs> and it's hard to hide. Everything shows. So um, I started dieting at, like in the seventh grade, and... Um, pretty much did that for the whole rest of my life, dieting. And I would lose and gain and lose and gain and lose and gain and lose and gain. And I think I probably lost 10 pounds at least 100 times. Does that make me a 100-pounder? <laughs> Maybe. Um, and then it came to a part where I was uh, gaining more than 10 pounds. And I remember I was pregnant. And is there a timer? Who's a timer? Oh, okay. Um, a doctor said, you don't gain any more than 25 pounds. And I heard him say, you can gain 25 pounds. <laughs> that's, that's how I think, you know? Okay, I heard the word 25, okay, and I did. I gained 25 pounds. And then I had an 8-pound baby. So do the math, you know. 25 minus 8. I'm not good in math, but I know it doesn't equal. So... I had to, um, you know, get another size of clothes. And I would get to a certain size, and then I'd bring myself back down and go on what my girlfriends and I used to call the, um, uh, like a strict diet, but lettuce (laughs) and, you know, maybe like three taco chips or something like that. But we, we hardly ate anything, and then you did that till you lost all your weight, and then you could eat. And, of course, my first choice was to eat something that was sweet and sugar. And then as soon as that sugar hits my body, boom, I'm down. I'm, like, down the rabbit hole. And then I'm, so I would lose the weight, touch down, back up. And I did that over and over and over. And they say that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And that was the story of my life. So I call my story Thin, Fat, Thin, Fat, Thin, Fat, Sane. And I didn't get sane till I came to Overeaters Anonymous. So I did that for a lot of years. And I came from a very dysfunctional family. Um, my parents were both heavy drinkers, um, rageaholics. They fought. They Yelling was a big part of my growing up. I didn't learn conflict resolution was, and I was very 
judgmental and critical, which I learned from them. And you would have thought the way they raised us that they were, we were living in a mansion with, you know, linen tablecloths and candelabras, but that was not the case. But they had those same standards. So anybody that wasn't doing that was less than. And it was just like growing up with his hypocrisy that I didn't really recognize for many years, but I carried that with me in my life, and nothing was ever good enough. And I wasn't good enough, my grades weren't good enough, nothing I did was good enough, and that's how I entered my, you know, my adult life, was being less than. I never measured up to their um, expectations. And so I became a perfectionist. And I remember I was married to husband number two. And um, for one of our wedding presents, we got a free visit to a psychologist. (laughs) So there we were. In this uh, Daniel's office. And... um, he said, well, Jessica, the thing is, you, you know, the problem is that you want everything to be perfect all the time. And I said, uh, what is wrong with that? I mean, I thought that that was a worthy goal. Everything should be perfect all the time. And he said, but that's not possible. I said, well, it should be possible. You know, I wasn't giving up. I, I still needed everything to be perfect. And um, that carried with me for a long time. I'm a late bloomer. I was a late bloomer as a, you know, a woman, and I was a late bloomer in my career, and I was a late bloomer in my compulsive overeating. When I turned 50, I, um, what do I have here? Where am I, George? Oh, you need to give me like a 10. Okay, give me another 10. Um, when I turned 50, I, prior to that, I had had an accident and I had to have hip replacement surgery. So my dancing days were over and my exercise. And I have to tell you that my food was, um, you know, predicated on exercise. You know, I had the regime going. I had to have, if I ate this, then I had to exercise that. And I was always in a dance class or jogging or some kind of uh, aerobics or jazzercise or something to keep that balance going. I had like a formula. And um, I studied anatomy and physiology. I know, calories in, calories out. It's a simple, simple equation, except if you're a compulsive overeater. It doesn't work. But, um, but in theory, it works. So um, now I couldn't do all those things. I was limited in my exercise. And I gained, I think, 40 pounds in probably three months. First of all, I was a little depressed because I couldn't dance anymore. And then I thought, oh, what the hell? I don't care. I'm done dieting. I've been dieting my whole life, and I'm sick of dieting. And now I'm just going to eat whatever I want. And that's really was the disease shouting loud and clear, let's do this thing. You know? <laughs> let's, let's really do this thing. Don't be, you know, on a diet. Just go for it. And I did, and I gained a lot of weight. I was at 185 at the end of that uh, 10 years. It took me 10 years. I, I um, came into these rooms at 185 pounds. And um, 
if you're struggling and if you're new, and even if you're not new and you're not struggling, um, but especially if you're new and especially if you're just trying to figure out how can I get back on this machine, how can I get back to what was working before, I just have to say that when I walked in here, I was absolutely hopeless. I did not think I would ever lose the weight. I tried a last-ditch effort diet because I was going to my class reunion, and I didn't want to go at 185 pounds because I was a physical education major, and it would really be shameful to do that. So I didn't want to go, so I called in fat. I didn't go. And... um, (laughs) And I remember right around that time, I had a friend, luckily for me, who had joined OA. And she and I used to go out and eat a lot. We were eating buddies. And now she was losing all this weight. And it was just falling off of her. I'm like, what are you doing? She said, oh, I have an eating plan. I'm like, an eating plan? What the heck is that? I want to know more about that. So she told me about her plan of eating. And I said, there is no way that I would ever do that in a million years. I just, you know, like said, no bread? You can't have bread? Forget it. I mean, like, no. So I kept on eating, and she kept on losing. And, um, and I'll tell you the kind of compulsive overeater I am. I knew that I shouldn't eat sugar. I figured out long before that that sugar was the culprit. Sugar was the thing that was really bringing me down. And um, so I would go on a, you know, on, a, on a diet, a sugar, no sugar, no sugar diet. And I would do that for various periods of time. And this one time, I was like free of sugar for nine months. I wasn't in program. But we were at a party, and they had a plate of these little brownies, these little teeny cubes of brownies. And I thought, I could just have one of these. And she looked at me, and she said, do you really think you should do that? And I said, and this is like the height of not having humility, is I said, well, let's find out. So I took that bite of chocolate, brownie, and that was it. I was down the rabbit hole. Down I went. Now, two months later, I surfaced, and then I went on another sugar-free diet, and now I'm in the hospital for an operation on my foot or something. I don't even know what it was. And um, I had been sick from the anesthesia, and I just... um, couldn't eat for the first day. So finally they gave me the anti-nausea medication, and now I was getting hungry. So they brought me the tray of dinner, and on the tray is a piece of cake. Now I haven't eaten sugar for two months. I'm doing good. I'm, you know, cool. And then I'm thinking, well, it's a hospital. <laughs> and, if, and if it wasn't good for me, they wouldn't put it on the tray. So down it went, and down I went, and another three months before I surfaced. And so now I'm sitting at home, and and I got the foot up on the bed, and my friend comes to visit me, and she's getting thinner. And um, and she, she, I say to her, I've got the solution. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. On the TV, they show the commercials for Nutrisystem, which was one of my things that I did a long time ago. I said. I'm going to send away for the food. You don't even have to go to a meeting. It's so cool. They just send it to your house. And then I don't have to worry. I just eat what they send me. And she said, well, okay, that sounds like a good idea, but why don't you give OA a try? And I'm like, 
oh, I don't know. But I didn't do the, the Nutrisystem plan that I thought up. I, I didn't do anything. And, um, and then one night we, went, we went, went to a class, and uh, after the class she said to me, let's go get something, some, get some dinner. So I said, sure. So we're at this restaurant, and I don't know. She told me something really, really private and important that her therapist said, you have to share this with another person. So she picked me. So she told me this thing. It was really big. And because she was honest with me, I was able to be honest with her. And I said, I have to be honest with you. I already ate dinner. And this was, always makes me cry, but... Um, and she said, that's okay, because she was in program. She said, just have coffee. It's okay. You don't have to eat anything. And I went home that night, and I threw away all this sugar. No one told me to. It was just the spiritual experience. I walked in the house and emptied all the cupboards and the five kinds of chocolate in every form that I had in the house, and threw it all away and I've never looked back and that was a day one because the only requirement for membership in this program is the desire to stop eating compulsively and I had it I still didn't think that I would lose the weight I still didn't believe it would work but I, I just stopped eating sugar with a different a whole different outlook Okay, and um, and that was really the beginning. So now, about three months go by. I haven't gone to a meeting yet. My girlfriend gives me the the meeting directory, which in L.A. I was in L.A. at the time, and they called the twelve stepper. And so I would read the re- meetings, the meeting list, and there, there's like fifty four meetings a week, and I couldn't find a meeting to go to. <laughs> so, and then I would lose it. And then she'd give me another one. <laughs> and then I would read that, and I would underline meetings and possible meetings that I could attend, and then I would lose it again. Or, so finally she calls me up one day. She goes, okay, they're having a meeting in the park. You want to come? I said, okay. And I figured in the park I could get away. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to be in a room with a door. I could just, like, wander off into the park and know, know that I was gone. <laughs> So I had like a getaway plan, and um, she said, I will pick you up and take you there, because she didn't believe that I would actually go, and she was right. I wouldn't have gone. I would have come up with some like excuse, like, it's I don't know, it's sunny out. And um, so I go to this meeting, and the very first speaker that I heard was um, probably somebody you'll see later this weekend, um, who was a sugar addict, and he had 24 years of abstinence from sugar, which... I found astounding, just astounding. I mean, I couldn't even wrap my head around 24 years. I was just doing like three months. You know, this was my three months I was doing 24 years. No way. And, um, and then he said, and then I realized I couldn't eat sugar again. And I went, okay, I got it. It's not enough for me to go on a diet and stop eating the sugar or eat 90 days or even nine months. I have to, like, not do this on a daily basis. 
And so that was kind of like the little seed that, that really blossomed for me. So I was pretty excited about that. And three months later, I went to the, my second meeting. <laughs> I told you I was a late bloomer. And um, so I go to my second meeting, and the woman who's the speaker there said two things that I, you know, one thing, she was uh, abstinent for 19 years from sugar, no sugar. I'm like, okay, I got the message. And then um, she said, and what I've learned is to, I believe whatever anyone says about me, no matter how beautiful. And I thought, oh, that really spoke to my heart. I'm the not good enough one. And so I wrote that down. I used to carry a journal with me, and I'd write down all these things that people said at meetings. And I still have that journal, and I still remember a lot of that stuff. One guy said, and I'll never forget this, he said, because there's a lot of talk in this program about spiritual, 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 and I wanted to be spiritual, but I didn't have the least idea how. And um, he said, you can't be spiritual if you're doing things that aren't spiritual. You can't act in a not spiritual way and expect to be spiritual. He was a philosopher. And he was. He was a philosopher. And um, that was what he did for a living. He was a philosopher. And he said this thing, and I went, oh, my God. I mean, it was like from heaven, this, this, this message. And, you know, I, I spent... So then I went... I started going to meetings regularly after that, and... And um, I, um, I still stayed off the sugar, but then I had discovered chips and pretzels and stuff. So the first six months, I was eating anything that didn't have sugar on the label. It was fair game. And so I had like five kinds of pretzels in my closet because every single shape tastes different. And I had five different kinds of really great chips from Trader Joe's that are, like, healthy with flax seeds. And, you know, didn't have sugar, I could eat it. So I'm thinking, why am I not losing any weight? I'm not eating sugar. I should have been losing weight by now. But I wasn't losing any weight because I was substituting salty snacks, which who cares about salty snacks, for sugar. So then I realized I needed to take a look at what am I eating, not what am I not eating. Let's take a look at the things that is going into my body. And, I, um, and that's when I started to develop a food plan. And um, I remember the first day that I initiated this food plan. It was like a whole sandwich. I said, I should just eat a half a sandwich. And I've told this story. Some of you have already heard this story before. Um, so I thought... And I swear to you, it was like there was another person in the room saying to me, talking to me, I'm like, I don't know, half a sandwich, that's just not going to be enough. And this little voice said, well, honey, if it's not enough, you can have the other half. And so I said, okay. So I tried that. I put the half a sandwich on my plate with the little salad, and I ate that. And guess what? It was enough. I had enough food. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't full. I was satisfied. So now I don't... I don't go by whether I'm hungry because my brain tells me I'm hungry when I'm doing math. 
and um, pay my taxes, I get hungry. And if the computer doesn't work right, I get hungry. And a lot of other things make me hungry. So I realized that not only do I, I think I'm hungry, when I'm actually hungry, which, by the way, I was never actually hungry for like 10 years because I never gave myself a chance to be hungry. Because even though I thought I was going to be hungry, I made sure I got something to eat immediately. So they're, oh, hunger, 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 hunger. My, oh, you're going to get hungry. Better eat. So that was my life. And now I realize that I didn't need to have all that food. I could have half of that amount. And so that started off my food plan, and I'm a real big food plan proponent. And the key word in food plan is not food. The key word is plan. And then I learned to get the things I need to support the plan before five minutes to six. You know, when it's dinner time, it's too late. I need to do it prior to that. And so I started cooking in advance so that when I get hungry, I don't have to cook. I can just I already have stuff that's cooked. I put it on the plate, put it in the microwave. I'm eating five minutes later. I'm having dinner. And that really works for me. Because if I'm starting to think about food when I'm hungry, then I need twice as much than I actually need. And so I learned that early on. So when I came, you know, started coming to meetings and they were talking about the tools... I wrote down all the tools, and it was because I'm a perfectionist and I have to get an A. I, I checked every one that I did. I read literature, and I did a food plan, and an outreach calls, and all the stuff that they said on there, and I go to meetings, and I had a, didn't have a sponsor. So I, um, I thought, maybe I should get a sponsor, because I'm, like, sponsoring myself here for a while, very lenient. And... Um, <laughs> And, um, and I'm doing no step work at all. Uh, I had a big book, but it didn't apply to me because it was about alcoholics. And so um, I read it, but it didn't mean anything to me. And um, so I went to a meeting, and I said, I, I, and I heard this woman speak, and she was also a sugar addict, so I said, I want her for my sponsor. And then I never saw her again for two months. I finally ran into her at another meeting, and I asked her to be my sponsor, and she said yes, and she was my sponsor for about, well, almost the whole 10 years that I've been abstinent. And um, she was great. She, um, she was so patient with me. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to meditate. I didn't want to exercise. Let's see what else. I didn't want to do anything that she suggested, basically. <laughs> so let's round it off to I didn't want to. And, and then eventually I did all the things that she would... She never gave up. She said, you think you could exercise today? I said, oh, I don't think so. Uh, maybe you could pray. Uh, I'm not sure I can pray. <laughs> meditate. I don't know. I don't meditate. Uh, and I, by the way, I already exercised. I was a PE major, so I know all about exercise, so I don't really have to exercise. And, um, and then one day I just put on my sneakers and I walked out of the house and I walked around the block for 20 minutes. And then when I came back... I was kind of tired because I hadn't exercised in like 10 years. So um, I sat down on the little patio chair, and the sun was shining, and I closed my eyes. And guess what? I was meditating. I was like, what? Two in one. It was amazing. So I started doing following directions. It took me a while, but I started following directions. And then she took me through the steps through the workbook, which I heartily um, 
um, recommend. It was great the first, my first time through because it's all about the food. In the beginning, it's about the food, but it's not about the food, but it is about the food, but it's not about the food, but it is about the food. So it's like really helps to do the workbook because it's written for us. And um, so if you don't have an OA 12 and 12, I suggest you go buy one and read that thing. And, um, and then uh, the second year, um, I became a sponsor, and I was like the world's worst sponsor because I wanted my sponsees to be perfect. <laughs> now, impatient, let's see, judgmental, critical, impatient, those are my top three defects of character, not really good for a sponsor. So um, I learned a lot my first year. I got fired by one of my first sponsee, and that was like really horrible, horrible, horrible. But I didn't learn from that. I still kept, I, I kept on going and um, eventually started asking people about how do you sponsor, and then I got a lot of help from uh, people in this room, actually. And... Um, I said, I said to this one woman, I said, like, well, what do you do when they, when they, when they binge? And she said, what? I said, what does your sponsor say to you? And she said, she just said, oh, honey, I'm sorry. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. <laughs> so I learned how to be a little more compassionate, a little more patient, a little more tolerant, a little more considerate, and um, firm, but not, you know, like, do it now and do it right and do it my way kind of military sponsorship, which I would prefer. But um, it doesn't work. So I, um, I learned how to be a sponsor. I learned how to carry the message with some humility. And I worked the steps in the big book five times. I went to a workshop. I went to a workshop in L.A. five years in a row, it was all whole year workshop that we read the big book, and it was the most amazing experience that I ever had. Uh, and I, the first time I read it, I didn't really understand a lot. The second time, it was like this deeper, and then it was deeper and deeper. And now I can like spout big book phrases that I used to hear people say in meetings, like, "How do they know that?" And because they read it, you know, that's how, you know, it's like you read it enough times, you, you start to understand uh, what it's all about. And, um, and that was great. That was a great grounding for me. I have a very strong spiritual program that I, that I practice every morning, and um, I pray before I get out of bed. I pray before I eat. I read four daily readers. I do a tenth step every night. I'm not perfect. I'm a human. I make mistakes. It's okay. And you're not perfect, and you're human, and you make mistakes, and that's okay too. And I've learned that six and seven, which are the forgotten steps of the 12 steps, they're the ones that no one ever talks about, are the most important. Humility is the most important thing that I have in my life today. I don't think I'm better than you. I don't think I'm worse than you. I think I'm one of you. And I don't know a lot of people in this room, but I know you. I know just how you think, because I think that way too. And um, am I done? Am I done? Five, 15 seconds? 15 seconds. I can say 15 seconds. 15 seconds. I have a higher power. I love my higher power. 
My higher power truly does things for me that I cannot do for myself, and I suddenly realized that. My higher power got me to a meeting, and my time is up. Thanks for letting me share. Another round of applause to Jessica. Thank you so much. God. So good. Oh my gosh, it was so good. So now I have the, the pleasure, and this is kind of low. Okay. I'll fix it for you, Joe. Okay. So now I have the pleasure of bringing up our next speaker, who I met, I guess he was at one of my first meetings. He's a Pizza Box alumni. Um, and uh, He's got lots of years of recovery, and um, come on up, Joe. We can't wait to hear your story. Wow. She was supposed to say that I was a Navy SEAL. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm Joe, compulsive overeater. Wow, is it good to be here. I've got a little timer here because I want to... Is someone else timing as well, I assume? Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, it is awesome to be here. I can't believe I'm here. Like, how did I get here? You know, how did I get here? I know Helen's laughing because she knows. Like, um, you know, I, I was a little nervous about this because, you know, I know I can share my story, and my story is my story. I've done it a bunch of times at meetings, and uh, I, I was still nervous because, you know, it's just the, I used to be terrified of public speaking, and now I'm reasonably comfortable because of this program, because I learned in this program. And the, the second I walked into this hotel, I saw people I knew, and they hugged me, and you know what? I was home, and it's fine, and it's wonderful. And, and I have this little thing I do when I go to meetings, and, uh, and I like to, to judge the meeting in terms... In terms of the, and this is, it relies on me too, the, in terms of the number of hugs I can get before I sit down. So, um, and sometimes I'll, if I go to like a new meeting where I've never been, I'll share like the hug rating of the meeting. Like, you're a six hug meeting, that's not bad. But, but tonight, this convention is a 34 hug convention. And, and that doesn't even count the double dips. And there were like two or three of those. So, the, so I, I don't know a lot in this program. I, I, I'll give you all the numbers and stuff in a minute. But what I do know for sure is that I will, I will get home tonight and I will go to bed and I will not lose my abstinence before I do that. And if I can do that, I can do I, that's what I. That's all I can do. I used to think you'd get more, you know. And, and I do that, and I get a chance to live my life, you know. Um, anything good that you hear from me that comes from my mouth tonight, I did not come up with. I didn't make it up. I'm a horrible. I I am a generator of bad ideas. <laughs> that's what I do. I make up bad ideas to screw up my life. And uh, anything good that comes out of what I share is what I've learned here. I am a uh, retired Olympic caliber compulsive overeater. I I stopped competing years ago, 12 years ago. Um, I never won, (laughs) but but I stopped competing. 
and uh, and I'm glad to be here. You, you know, this is a an insidious disease, compulsive overeating, and uh, it doesn't. I used to. I'm kind of a science guy, like, and, and I used to uh, sort of. Is it a disease? Is it not a disease? You know. Uh, like, what's the test? There should be, like, a blood test if it is a disease, you know? If, I could, if you could see it on a CAT scan, that would definitely prove that it's a disease. But you know what? The truth is that uh, it doesn't matter if it is or isn't a disease. You can treat it like a disease, and it works. I'm a, I'm a software developer. I work in software, computer software, and it's, uh, it's like a framework. And a framework in software is like a collection of tools to solve a problem. And you know what this is? It's a collection of tools to solve a problem. And my problem is compulsive overeating. My real problem is my thinking. You know, my, my, if, if I were to boil it down to, uh, to what my problem is, my problem is I think about the wrong stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I convince myself to do things that I think are great ideas. And man, they, they got me here. You know, and I love you guys, and I feel welcome, and this is great, but I did not want to be in a 12-step program growing up. I, I, didn't, I didn't go, yeah, that's what I want to do, you know? And uh, I like that countdown. If you're new, welcome. This is, uh, this is the best deal in the world. You know, it's, uh, this program works whether or not you believe it will work. It has nothing to do with faith. It's easier if you have faith. But if you don't have faith and you think this is all BS and you do what you hear about in meetings, you will recover. Like, and that's not based on faith. That's based on the evidence I've seen in my 12 years in the program. You know, there are miracles in this room, and I know a lot of them. And, and it's wonderful. Um, so I'll give you the numbers. I, I've been in the program since... Uh, I don't know. I don't even remember the exact day, but sometime in early uh, early 2005, I've been abstinent since April 29th, 2005, which coincidentally, or maybe not, is the day I got a sponsor. It might be a coincidence. Um, I'm not sure, but uh, during that time, I've lost uh, 70 ish pounds, uh, and I and I've kept it off. You know, and I've got to be honest today. I I don't have a food problem today. And I used to hate it when I'd hear that because if you're in the food, the biggest problem you have is the food. And I, I occasionally have, still have a food problem. I take back my problem, right? I, but today, I don't have one because I've given it up. I've given it up to my sponsor. I've given it up to the program. I've given it up, given it up to my higher power. And I believe that. So... I'll give you a little bit about my childhood and how I got into recovery. And then I, 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 I also I took some notes because my, in, in my mind, like, the, the fear of public speaking used to be so great. Like, in my mind, the way this goes down is I come up here, I don't say anything, like, because I can't talk, because I've forgotten everything. You guys start laughing at me, my pants fall down, and I walk away. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's how it goes. I catastrophize a little bit. And, uh, but, but the truth is, like, in this welcoming, loving room, like, if I got up here and couldn't say a word, you guys would give me a hug afterwards and say it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, and then that you can feel that love in this room is amazing. So um, I'm the only child of an only child, 
And I tell you that because uh, it's a, I don't know, self-centeredness is my problem, you know. I think about, what I think about is the problem, and I think about myself. (laughs) Um, You know, I I grew up, uh, both of my grandfathers died uh, obese, overweight. You know, I just learned recently that one of them was obese when he passed away. I I didn't even know that. And it's like, oh, that just makes sense, you know. Um, I learned how to diet growing up in the 70s. And here's how you diet. You, uh, you, you always start on a Sunday because uh, you got to start on a Sunday. And you buy a bunch of the food you're not going to be able to eat the rest of the week. And you eat like a metric ton of it Sunday night. And, and then you wake up on Monday morning and you eat like a pea for breakfast. <laughs> and then for lunch, you have, uh, I don't know, some cottage cheese and two peas. And then for dinner, you, you get home and, uh, you know, you've been really good, so you can have whatever you want for dinner. <clears throat> and you might have some of that food left over, and you know what? You have next week, so screw it. Just eat it. And, uh, and this program is not a diet for me. In fact, my sponsor uh, insults me sometimes when he goes, uh, it's a nice diet you're on, Joe. And, I, I, and it gets me mad because it's not a diet. If, if, if I could have come and gotten the, uh, you know, sort of the list of stuff, if I just eat this and, and uh, I recover, I, I wouldn't be here tonight. But it doesn't work. You know, I've seen people come and go. It doesn't work. Um, so I didn't have a, uh, a weight problem until college. You know, I got to college and started doing all the stuff you do in college. Started eating a lot. Like, I had complete free reign over the food that I ate. You know, and uh, and I probably didn't make the healthiest choices. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I gained a bunch of weight during college, after college. And, uh, you know, I, I, re- I still remember very specifically the physical pain of my skin stretching. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I very much remember that. And, uh, man, but I didn't know I had a problem. I mean, I, I kind of knew I had a food problem my entire life because I... I liked it, you know, uh, and uh, particularly sugar, you know, but uh, I, I didn't know I had a problem. I didn't know that I was overweight until I lost most of my weight. You know, I'd look at myself in the mirror in the height of my disease, and I'd go, man, I'm looking pretty good, you know. And the truth was, I was it's not about the weight, it's about the health, you know. And, uh, man, for me, uh, I want to live a long life. You know, and uh, people have asked me, I remember very specifically a person who asked me if this program was the most important thing in my life. And you know what the answer is? No, it's not. Absolutely not. But it has to come first. You know, I have, uh, and I have this family that uh, I have a wife and I have two daughters, a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. They're the most important thing in my life. And the reason I get to be part of their life is because of this and because of you guys. So uh, if I had to choose between my daughter getting hurt and my abstinence, or you know what I mean, I, 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 would, I would lose my abstinence. But I get to be with my kids. I get to be with my wife because of this program. And it's a miracle. So... You know, yada, 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 I ate a bunch of food, I gained a bunch of weight. I, 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 you know what it's like, I don't have to tell you. Um, uh, my top weight was 268, um, and I heard about this thing called OA, right? And uh, I didn't really know what OA was. 
um, but I showed up. And I went to uh, this place called the Pizza Box. I don't know if uh, you guys have heard about that, but there are three people in the room tonight that were at my first meeting. You know? That's a miracle. And uh, I brought something. I dug it out last night. Do you, you see this? This is the first chip I ever took in OA. You know what? This is a miracle. And it was the hardest chip to get, by far. It took me like, I don't know, I can't do math too well, 35 years of crazy eating to get here. You know? And the truth is, I ate for breakfast this morning the exact same breakfast that I ate the first day I was abstinent. The exact same breakfast. And uh, a lot of people don't like uh, predictable food. In my book, nothing says abstinent like predictable. Like when it gets fancy, you know, I'm in trouble. I'm in a lot of trouble. Um, So I got to the pizza box meeting and I walked in, and a man sitting right over there was wearing a shirt that says, I love tater tots. <laughs> and, and, and these people were sharing about abstinence, and they were sharing about heroin foods, food like heroin, and they were sharing about all this crazy stuff that, uh, man, I, I, I thought these people were nuts. You know, and uh, man, I thought I was home. You know, like when you have some, when you hear somebody who's sharing something that is completely insane in your mind and you like totally get it, like maybe you listen to those people, like maybe you listen to that person. And, uh, man, I, uh, I just sat down and, and the only thing I've done perfectly in this program is not left, you know, and I, and I know that the solution is here. The solution's here. If you're brand new, Stick around. Find your place here. Like I, I focus so much on what I had, uh, what I didn't have in common with you people, that it almost took me out. Right. But when I decided to go, hey, what do I have in common? And by the way, do I believe the solutions here? I do. You know, it's, it's here. So um, I started going to the pizza box meeting every week. Started going to some other meetings every week and listening to all these crazy stories about food. You know, I heard a. I heard a woman in the pizza box, uh, some of you will remember her, she used to share this thing, uh, it's almost kind of crude, but it, it helps me, she used to say, you know, it's, uh, food's about sustenance, like, and when I start making it about entertainment, I get in trouble, it's not about a party in my mouth. <laughs> my goal is not to come up with the perfect combination of food that solves my problem, you know, um, because the problem can't be solved that way, it can be solved that way for maybe a second. I've got like this hole in me that I think I can fix with stuff that I eat, you know, and it's never, Hey, I guess it kind of worked for a while, but, uh, you know, by the time I woke up, I was here (laughs) and, uh, and I don't know, I'm not going to leave today. And the reason I'm not going to leave is there's for some people, there's other ways to recover, right? But for me, like if I leave and I say, Hey, screw you guys, I'm out of here. Goodbye the best outcome is that I end up back here someday. Like, I don't know of another end, you know, another way that this can finish. So I'm just going to stick around. And by the way, like, I've been coming to meetings for 12 years or longer. Um, 
not like when people come back to meetings after they've left, and I've seen that a lot, they never come back in better shape. <laughs> they never come back. They never come back happy and saying, you know what? You guys, I don't need this crap. I'm good. You're, you know, screw you, piss off, I'm out of here. And you'd think, like, the way I think, if, if it could be done, like, it would have happened. Like, we, some one of us would have come back to a meeting and said, screw you guys, I don't need this. It's never happened. You know what I mean? So, I got to the pizza box meeting. Um, I had this routine. Like I said, the only thing I've done perfectly is Stay. The routine was this. I would go buy a really unabstinent dinner, eat it, (laughs) get in my car, drive to, oh, stop on the way to the meeting for this really unabstinent snack, right, that I'd put in my car because after the meeting I'd need the snack. And then I'd go to the meeting, and then I'd drive home, and I'd eat the snack. And uh, you know what? If you're new, don't change eating yet. Go to your meeting. Go to meetings. Because at one point, the eating changed, but I stayed at the meetings. You know, I, I, I kept staying. It was the day I got a sponsor. So I got this sponsor who, oh, man, it, I'll never forget the day uh, I shared I needed a sponsor at the Pizza Box meeting. And this guy uh, came up to me. And I'd been going to this meeting, like, for six months or something. He came up to me after the meeting and said, hey, Joe, uh, you want to start working together? I said, sure. And uh, I had to go, what's your name? Like, even though I'd heard it, like, Two times a week for the last six months, I didn't know. And he started me doing this real simple stuff, right? Um, and it was, it was dead simple, and I kind of hated it, but I did it. Like, he wanted me to identify uh, red, red light, yellow light, and green light foods. Red light foods are things I can't eat without overeating, you know? And, and, uh, and I'll, I'll take my abstinence now. My abstinence is three moderate meals, no snacks, and no recreational sugar. You know, and there are a few uh, exceptions to that. I'm not even going to share them because I don't want to dwell on the exceptions. Like, wiggle room is bad for me, you know. It's really dangerous. Um, But he asked me to make this list of red light, yellow light, and green light foods. Red light's obvious, you know. stuff. And and by the way, eating a red light food is a break in abstinence for me. A yellow light food is something that, yeah, maybe it's a problem, maybe it's not. Maybe it's something I need to examine, you know. And a green light food is something like beets. Not a problem. Never had a beat problem. He, he also asked me to start calling in my food. You know, every day I'd call him and tell him that uh, what, I was, what I had eaten the day before, what I was going to eat, and I'd uh, do reading, five pages of reading and write, write a paragraph about it from a recovery book. And uh, you know what? We made, a, we made this food plan, and... That all that combined was like a, a giving up of my power of food. Like, I, I don't want to say my sponsor was my higher power, but I was no longer deciding what I was going to eat. I had worked with someone outside of me to figure out what I should eat, and I started sticking to that plan. And you know what? It was a miracle. This stupid stuff, like, call this guy, call this guy every day and tell him what I ate. How dumb is that? But you know what? It gave me freedom. It gave me my life. You know, I, early in recovery, I had, uh, you know, there were a bunch of things that you encounter the first time in recovery, and you don't know how to handle them. <laughs> Once, one was going to a restaurant. One of my daughters had been in a soccer thing, and, uh, you know, they have like a, 
it's always pizza after a, after a soccer game or whatever. And I went to a restaurant, and I hadn't gone to a restaurant in recovery. And I'm, like, jumping around. I'm like, what do I do? And I, I'm, I tell my wife, i got to go call my sponsor. And I call this guy, and he's like, Joe, I need you to calm down. Okay? <laughs> and I have an answer for you. He says, order something. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Are, are you a wizard? Like, are you a, like, you mean I can order something? You can order something anywhere that's abstinent. And, and uh, maybe a few months into my abstinence as well, I uh, went with my wife to Las Vegas. And my wife likes to make fun of me um, for anything she can, just for fun. I love it. And, uh, you know, Las Vegas is the land of the buffet. And uh, that's 10 minutes left? Okay, cool. Um, uh, the land of the buffet. And, you know, I was calling my sponsor a lot because I was very concerned about that. So, and she's like, well, why are you calling your sponsor? Because we're in Vegas, the buffet? Yeah. And just making fun of me, joking around. But I called him and he gave me a solution. You know what the solution was for a buffet? This is almost as good as order something. Have one plate. So I can go to a buffet, and I don't have to stick it to the man with the amount of food that I eat. I, 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 don't, have to, I don't have to get my money's worth. I, I can have a single plate of food and be okay. That's a miracle right there. The guy is a wizard. So, um, you know, so have my sponsor for a while, um, change sponsors, uh, have my current sponsor now. Still do a lot of the stuff, um, you know, that I just described. Uh, maybe not as regularly as, as I used to, i got to be honest. But my goal in OA is not to be the, uh, the superstar of OA, to, be the, to work the best program. It's to work the most consistent program. Because if, if, if I do enough today to stay abstinent, I've won. And, and it's, like, uh, it's like when I have ants in my house, Right. I do a bunch of stuff to get rid of them. Like I, I put the food away and I get some poison and I clean up and whatever. Like I do maybe four or five things and maybe I don't have to do all of them. Maybe I could skip one or two, but I don't know which one I can skip and, and not get rid of the ants. Right? So I don't know what I can skip in this program and still stay abstinent. You know what I mean? So, um, so I do what I do. I go to meetings. I've heard meeting makers make it. I go to a lot of meetings I talk to people. I've got sponsees, you know, that call me every morning and do what I was taught to do. The, the key to all of this is that it's, uh, that it's information, that, that it's wisdom that didn't come from me. You know, that's the, that's the key to this solution. These sponsees call me every day, and I love them. You know, I love, once I, get, once I pick up the phone, I love it. But every time the phone rings, I go, oh, crap. It's, <laughs> I, I get to talk to these guys again. Some, sometimes I'm not always, uh, I don't know, I, I don't have the best attitude, but, but I know what I have to do, you know, and I, and I usually do it, or at least I do enough to stay here. Um, it's easier to stay abstinent than it is to get abstinent. I've learned that here. Um, I found a higher power, and my higher power has changed. I guarantee you that my higher power is not your God. My higher power has changed so many ways, and this program goes out of its way to be welcoming to a guy like me who was going to be out 
when it was the higher power stuff. Way out of its way. My higher power started as love for my kids. That's a huge part of it still. You know, sometimes it's the group. Sometimes it's the universe. But the important thing is, is that it's something more powerful than me that is not me. Because I'm the problem. You know? Um, I've learned a lot of things in OA, and I made a list. One of them is, 90% off candy a week after Valentine's Day is not a deal too good to pass up. (laughs) A watermelon is not a piece of fruit. Eating at somebody is not an effective way of getting revenge. Uh, I've learned about anorexia and bulimia. And thank God I have. I have two daughters. You know what I mean? Like, I like to go down to uh, one of the meetings that's at a a, a recovery home kind of place. And I I see these girls there that are about the age of one of my daughters. and, And I love to hear that. Because I, I get an idea of, like, if I ever need to, I can talk to my daughter about this stuff, right? So I, I understand those things. I never really understood those things before. However, over-exercising, I still do not understand. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm sorry. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Like, I, I, know, pe- I know it's a problem for people, but I do not get it. Um, you know... Every time I go to something for my family, my, I've got a daughter who's a cheerleader, <laughs> which I can't believe, first of all. She's actually a song leader, which is like dance, but it's, um, and they won a, a national competition last year. And whenever I go to something like that, I sit there and I think, man, am I grateful to be here. You know, because I was doing exactly the stuff you do to not be part of your kids' lives. I was doing exactly that. And the, I, you go to a cheerleading competition, I'm the, like the, the, the old guy in back who's looking creepy with a tear going down his cheek because <laughs> he's, he's so darn grateful that he's there. I go to a school function, I'm not the biggest dad. And it's not about the weight, but I'm not. <laughs> it used to be totally about the weight, you know what I mean? Um, I'm so grateful that I get to be here and that I get to share about my recovery and that I'm part of this recovery and that I found this place. You know, there's an answer. There's an answer to compulsive overeating. And uh, how much time do I have left? Four minutes. minutes. Okay. So I I got a couple things I want to kind of talk about. There's a story I always tell when I share that uh, a couple of my sponsees kind of give me crap for it because they say I should like embellish it, make it like more fun, you know. <laughs> but when I was maybe four months abstinent, I took my daughter, who was I don't know seven or so at the time, uh, to a car wash in Long Beach, where I live, and uh, went to the car wash and like it was at a gas station. You go inside and you pay, you know, if, you, if the the counter is right here, uh, and you pay the guy for like a code and you go type it in and you go through it. And uh, I walked in with my daughter because I didn't want to leave her in the car, and she was standing right here, you know, and uh, the guy's here, and I'm giving him money for it. And over here was a rack of candy. 
and it like and it was sexy. <laughs> and there was there was a new candy that I've never tried. You know? There's candy I've never tried. <laughs> I can't believe that. And in that moment, something hit me that I've got a choice here. And it's the same choice I have today and right this very moment. I can have that candy if I want to. Or I can have this little girl in this life and everything I've gotten because of this program. Everything. And when you look at it that way, the choice is simple. You know, I need to make it black and white. I need to. So I decide I'm picking the little girl, not the candy rack. I'm, I'm picking my recovery, not my disease. You know, and man, the, the fact that I truly believe that now is the miracle. You know, if you're new, stick around until a miracle happens. If you're old, stick around until a miracle happens if it hasn't. Like, stuff happens here that people don't believe. They mistake it for willpower. When I was losing all my weight, people were like, wow, you're doing great. What willpower? Two minutes? Thank you. And, and I, I don't usually tell people, like, part of my concern about coming here is, like, I, I value my anonymity. But what am I ashamed of, really? You know? But they'd say, what willpower? And, and the truth is, it's the exact opposite that made me stronger. I can't, I have no power over food. I have no power over food. You know, there's this band I listen to, and uh, I, I think I want to end with a quote from a song, if you guys don't mind. Well, I got a couple of quotes, but one of them is, if you're loved by someone, you're never rejected. Decide what to be and go be it. I have a shirt that says that, and I wear it to meetings a lot. And when I make a food choice, I think about that last, last line. Decide what to be and go be it. I have a choice now about what I want to be and what I want to do. And it's because I, I gave up what I used to be doing. And when I want to decide what to be, it's never, what, it's never alone on a couch eating whatever. Miracles don't happen on my couch. They happen in these rooms. So this morning I got up. I'm going to end with this, and, and I, I read the news on my iPhone, Apple News. The top CNN news story was about uh, sugar uh, detox, you know? I don't know if anybody read that. The final line in this story w- in, was this. Finally, before starting a sugar detox, enlist the help of friends and or family members for support. You need people around you to help you be successful. The whole family has to do it together. That's what I have here. That's what I have here. And I'm so glad that you guys are part of it. And, and I hope that this is going to be a great... I've never been to a convention. This is going to be great. You know? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay abstinent today. And uh, I might try to do that again tomorrow. So thank you so much for letting me share. Great. Oh my gosh. Um, so let's, let's thank both of our speakers for sharing their experience, strength, and hope with us tonight. Um, 
Christy, are you here? Christy.